If you like to move it, move it back to your chairs. I like to move it, move it. Christy, Michael said, can you please come and sit down? You're embarrassing him. He didn't say you're embarrassing him. I added that bit, but he did say, please come and sit down. Well, guess what I want to talk about this morning? Decisions, decisions, decisions. It's that, it's that time of year where the old year finishes and uh, the new year is about to start and we have those things that everybody starts thinking. Mind you, I think New Year's resolutions are probably dying off year by year. I think people are less and less inclined to make New Year's resolutions. Perhaps that's because they have a history of not fulfilling them and so rather than make a resolution and not fulfil it, it probably feels better just simply don't have a goal and that way if you don't hit it, well, you don't know you didn't hit it so it doesn't really matter. So maybe that's why New Year's resolutions are becoming less and less and less. I came across this story this week uh, online. I thought it was a great picture of perhaps what New Year's resolutions are like for many of us. So have you heard about the man who moved into a retirement community to spend the rest of his life there? It was long until he had made a number of friends among the other residents. There was one lady he was especially attracted to, and she was attracted to him also. So they spent a lot of time together. Finally, one evening, he proposed, asking her to marry him. The next morning, he woke up remembering his proposal, but he couldn't remember her answer. So he went to her and said, I'm really embarrassed. I proposed to you last night, but I can't remember if you said yes or no. Oh, thank goodness, she replied. I remembered saying yes, but I couldn't remember who asked me. (laughs) I think that our New Year's resolutions can sometimes be like that. We make them, but somehow in the series of time and space, we forget about these solid commitments we made to transform our life or to change us or to see uh, a different outcome perhaps uh, on the 365th day of that year as opposed to the one we were currently living in on the very first day of that year. I was reading an article in uh, USA Today on December 26, only a few days back, and they made an interesting point in that. They checked a whole bunch of polls that were run across the United States about New Year's resolutions, and here's they found that the number one New Year's resolution for 2018 was to become a better person. The number one resolution in all the polls that they went across the United States and they found that the number one resolution this year, in previous years, the number one resolution, who knows what the number one New Year's resolution has been in previous years? Get fit. Number one resolution has been to get fit. For at least the last 22 years, it's been the number one resolution is to get fit. And we have all kinds of resolutions and things that we want to do at the start of a year. We want to get fit, exercise more regularly. Some of us want to lose weight. Some of us want to put weight on. Some of us want to quit behaviours and habit patterns that we have. Some of us want to take up things that we know will be beneficial and good. 
Um, some of us have bucket lists. This year I want to achieve this goal or I want to go to this place or uh, I want to uh, you know, create this environment, whatever. There's, there's thousands of things. It, it's, it's a world that the, the 1st of January provides us with this world of opportunity. What do we want the year to look like? I just want to reiterate what Jackie said very quickly too. I hope and pray that each one of us, as we look at the next year and what we want to achieve and what we want to do, that one of our big goals is we want to get to know him better. Amen? I want to get to know God better. I want to learn to trust him more. I want to learn to hear his voice more clearly. I want to learn how to be courageous enough to step out in faith when he speaks. I want to learn to fear him more than I fear the world around me and what people will think and so on. So I hope that in the mix of our New Year's resolutions, there's that spiritual dynamic as well because that's a very real part of my life and it's a very important part of my life and I think God wants us to uh, continue to push into him and continue to, to expand our faith and our trust levels in him. But you know what? Amongst that, there'll be other things that you'll want to do as well. Amen? There'll be other things, other goals that you have. Like I said at the start of the service, the air you breathe today is going to pretty much be the same air that's running around tomorrow. The sun that came up today on the last day of the year, it's going to be the same sun that rises on the first day of the year. The house you live in is probably going to be the same. The bed you sleep in is probably going to be the same bed you lay down in on the last day of 2017 will probably be the same bed you wake up in the first day of 2018. A lot of things around us are going to be the same. There's nothing magical about the day. But... For society in general, it provides an opportunity for us to reflect on the last 12 months and to look forward to the next 12 months as well. I was sitting in the hospital the other day. I've got a bit of a sore throat going on. and uh, I went to the chemist and the chemist started a look and said, look, you waste your money here, go to the doctor and see what they do. So I went to the doctor and I'm sitting in the doctor's surgery at Lennox Head and a, an ad, there's a television set in there and the television set flashes up you know, ads and you can pay for ads now on this TV screen. And an ad flashed up for Curves Gym, you know the Curves, the ladies gym in Balna there. And, and it flashed up and their slogan was, be the best that you can be. Be the best that you can be. And I saw that and I thought, that's a really, really great slogan. And as I think about the next 12 months and the things that I want to achieve and what I want to see happen in my world, when I think about resolutions, resolutions are just simply decisions. Okay? They're just decisions that we make that we want our life to, to head in a different direction perhaps than what it's heading in now. And I thought, you know what? I think I'm going to make that the basis for which I think about what are the decisions that I want, what are the things that I want to change this year. You see, a lot of people, their New Year's resolutions revolve around chasing something that they're not. You're trying to become something that you're not. Instead of trying to be a better me, I want to be like you. Well, I'm not you, I'm me. Okay? Some people's resolutions revolve around keeping up with the Joneses. You know, they've got a bigger house this year or they had this holiday overseas and took their family, so I want to do that because that's... And we're trying to chase something else. I think we need to narrow it all down, break all that away and make the decision that, you know, this year, whatever changes I make, whatever I want to do, I think the best thing I can do is make decisions and resolutions that are going to make me be a better version of me. Amen? Make me be a better person. Make me be more the person that God wants me to be. To, to straighten out the crooked paths perhaps inside of me or to, to make decisions and choices that are going to help me live the kind of life that will give me the energy, the vitality, the time that I need necessarily to achieve all that God's put me down here on earth to do. I want to be a better version of me. And I think that my resolutions and the choices that we make this year should revolve around that, trying to be the best that you can be and trying to be a better version of you. 
I want to look at an old story that we all know this morning, and I want to pull a few things out of it, a few thoughts. It's one thing to make a resolution. It's another thing to fulfil it. I think statistically, 83% or something of New Year's resolutions have failed within the first month. That's statistics. Most people within the first month drop 83% of the decisions that they make. In which case, it's kind of a shame because why did you go through all the effort and energy to think about what you wanted to change if in 30 days you're going to forget about it anyway? You might as well just not come up with it. And I think that's what we're probably seeing in this poll in the US is people are realising, look, I can't fulfil them. I I don't achieve them, uh, but I spend this time fantasising, dreaming, maybe even getting my hopes up that I can be this person and within 30 days I've fallen flat on my face. So rather than relive that disappointment year after year, maybe people are going, look, I'll just... Not even bother making them, I'll just be a better person. But you know what? To be a better person means you've got to make some changes, doesn't it? You can't just say, I'm going to be a better person. What does that mean? I'm going to be a better person. Well, to be a better person, what you're saying is you want to be a different person to what you are now. What's going to be different? What are you going to change? What are you going to do that's going to make you a different person? <coughs> I want to talk a little bit this morning and give us some practical things out of an old story that I think we can use to help us. Uh, once we've made those decisions, thought about what it is that we want to change, how can we actually outwork those things and give ourselves a good chance of seeing ourselves different on the last day of 2018 than what we will be on the first day? The story I want to talk from this morning is in Luke 15, and we all know it. It's the story of the prodigal son. Everybody knows the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a great picture of a person who made a few decisions. He made some choices with his life. And I want to pull a few things out of that story this morning. If we can read, starting in verse 11 of Luke 15, it says, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He's made a decision. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out, get all my goods, and I'm going out, and this is what I'm going to do. He made a decision. Then he went and joined himself. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, made another decision. And he sent him into his fields to feed the swine, and he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make like one of your hired servants. Here's a young man who made a decision. Let's imagine that the day he made this decision was the 31st of December. And he makes this New Year's resolution. Next year, I'm no longer going to do what my father tells me to do. I'm no longer going to stick around this smelly farm. I'm going to get what's coming to me, and I'm going to walk down the end of that road, and I'm going to go and live my life. I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not going to be working around this farm anymore. I'm going to go out there and live the life that I've always wanted. He made a decision. I want to have a look at a few things along that path, that that process. Before I do, I want you to think about something. What's something that you want to change in the next 12 months? What's one decision? Sometimes we make too many. Sometimes people make 10 different things. I, I reckon you're better off picking one thing that you want to work on and doing it than picking 10 and achieving nothing. So as I go through these points, think about something that's important to you in the next 12 months. One decision, a change that you want to make. It may be to get fit. 
It may be to quit a destructive habit. It may be to, to develop a consistent prayer life or Bible reading time. It may be to, to, to uh, change habit patterns in the way you respond to things. It could be any number of things. That's up to you, between you and God. But I want to see what we can learn out of that story of the prodigal son. The first thing is this. Before you make that decision, count the cost. Count the cost. In verse 11 to 13, it says this. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to far country and wasted his possessions. It doesn't sound like there was a really big time frame from when he got that money to chuff and off. It sounds like it was a pretty quick process. I don't know whether he'd been sitting around for months thinking about, okay, well, should I do this? Maybe I should get my inheritance early. Maybe I should disgrace my father's name and maybe I should uh, uh, bring shame to him and I should confront him. And I don't know how long the time frame was, but it doesn't sound to me like this was a very well thought out decision. No? doesn't sound like he thought out too well what was going to happen. I'm going to get all this money. I'm going to run out there, spend it all. And when it runs out, oh, now what do I do? A famine hits, oh, now what do I do? It doesn't sound to me like he thought out the process very well. Now, had he counted the cost before his first decision to leave home, he wouldn't have probably had to make that second decision, which was a better decision, which was to come home. Many of us start out with clear decision to change, but many of us will eventually, whether consciously or unconsciously, we make a second decision to stop. And why do we do that? Usually because the change you want to make is harder than you thought. If it was easy, you wouldn't have to make the change. You'd already be living it. But for some reason, you're not living it. For some reason, you're not that person right now. There's a barrier. There's a block. There's something there. There's a reason why you're not that person. So we're sitting here today making a decision to do something. That should tell you straight away that this is not going to be an easy journey. It's not going to be an easy journey. Count the cost. Think about what adjustments will I have to make to my life to see this through. What things will have to change, perhaps in my daily routine, to make this decision successful? What price will I have to pay to be able to fulfil and see this thing through to the end? It shouldn't be a surprise to us that it's difficult. It shouldn't be a surprise because if it wasn't that difficult, like I said, we'd naturally be walking that path. But whatever decision you're making and the destination you want to head in, you're not there. You're not there and you're not there for a reason. Jesus put it this way. In Luke 14, verse 28 to 31, this is what Jesus said. He said, Which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. When we lived in India... There are so many houses. People made a decision to buy a plot of land and to build a house. India is full of people that go into the building game and do not count the cost. They lay a foundation, there's slabs, and there's a couple of uh, um, concrete pillars up, and they're nothing. Why? Because they ran out of money. They didn't sit down and work out what was it going to cost to build this thing, what do I have to come up with to see this thing through, and as a result of that, there are monuments all around the cities of India to people who just simply didn't count the cost before they stepped out and did something. Whatever the decision is that you're making, think about the cost. What are the lifestyle adjustments or changes that need to be made? Am I prepared for that? If I want to get fit, well, look at my life. How am I going to make the time to run or to go to a gym? If I need healthy, have I got the budget to do that? 
Have I got the, the environment around me? Are my family going to be happy to do that? Or does that mean that I've got to cook you know, rabbit food over here for me and, and steak and that? For, like, think about the environment you live in. Think about the changes, the lifestyle adjustments that need to be made before we step into it. Because sometimes we'll sit down and we'll count the cost and we'll go, you know what, this is unrealistic. This is not going to happen. I can't do this. Or maybe we need to look at other options or other things or maybe other ways to do what it is that you are thinking of. Jesus in this passage is actually talking about following him. He's saying, if you're going to follow me, you should count the cost first. Don't just stick your hand up at an order call and say, I'm going to go hard after you, Jesus, when you haven't thought about what it's actually going to mean to follow me. But the principle is the same. Any decisions that we make, if we want to make that decision and see it through, we should count the cost first. Before we voice it out to anybody, before we take steps, count the cost first. Do a little bit of mathematics. What's it going to take for me to fulfill this through. The second thing that we get out of this, in verse 17 and 18, it says, But when he came to himself, this is after the famine and everything, it says, When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I'll arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him. That passage there, that, that, that verse in the Greek, when he came to himself, it literally means that while he's going through the process of feeding swine, of being a servant to some other man, he's watching his life unfold, and he felt like a passenger on the outside looking at himself. Now, how many of us at times feel that way? We feel like we're outside of ourselves, and our life's down a path. We don't want it to be like that, but we just feel like we're so out of control that we're distanced from and we're watching our life unfold. We're watching ourselves as we get further and further away from who we want to be. That's the picture that the Greeks painting. And then it's and when he came to himself literally means that at a moment he had this epiphany, this this moment of clarity where he stepped back into himself and said, "Hang on a second. I've got control here. I'm not a slave to this scenario. I'm not a slave to this environment." I've actually got control over this. I don't have to be sitting here. Feed. I've got a father back there that owns a farm who feeds his servants better than what these people get fed. What am I doing? Why am I still here in this space? He had this moment of clarity. And in that moment of clarity, he did a really powerful thing. He decided what he was going to do, not what he was going to try. And there's a big difference. He decided at that point, this is what I'm going to do, not what I'm going to try. And my second point is decide to do it, not try it. Decide to do it, not try it. Count the cost. Think about that decision, that change, that adjustment you want to make. Count the cost. And after counting the cost, if you say yes, then make the decision, I will do this. Not I'm going to try it. See, when we have an attitude of I'm going to try something, we leave a back door open. And as long as we leave a back door open, human nature is when it gets difficult, we'll head for the back door. We'll walk away. Why do you think people walk out of marriages all around? Marriage is so easy to get in and out of because people leave back door options open because we think it's going to be easy. We get married and we think this is going to be a breeze. We love each other. And then they get married and they go, you know what? This is actually really tough. This is tough. There are things, there are, we, we rub against each other and there are decisions we don't agree on. And, and, and you know, we've really got to have made the decision that I'm going to do this, not try it. If I think I'm just trying this, I'll get to a point where I go, you know what? It's not working. I'm out of it. And we can do that with jobs, we can do that with friendships, we can do that with all kinds of things in life. But there's something powerful about that decision. He says, he says, I will go to my father. It's not, I think I might. It was a firm decision, I will. And there's something powerful about the I will factor in your life. When you take that stand and you make that decision, you say, I will do this. Not I'm thinking about it, not I'm going to try. I will do that. There's something powerful about you on the inside having that moment of clarity. And going, you know what? I'm not out of control in this area. 
I can have that moment of clarity and go, I am actually in control of this. I am in control of my fitness. I am in control of most of these other things. I have a certain amount of control. And we have that moment of clarity. We make that decision, I'm going to do this. See, I think a lot of people enter in going, I'd like to do this. Well, I'd like to do something different to I'm going to. It's very different. I'd like to do this. Well, I'd like to do a lot of things, but I know I'm not going to do them. But there are some things in life that I know I'm going to do. doesn't matter how hard they get, I'm going to do them because I've made that decision. And there's something powerful about the I will factor. And we see it all through Scripture. We see people making declarations, I will do this, I will magnify God, I will trust the Lord. You know, I will do this, I will do that. And there's something powerful about that. So once you've counted the cost and you've thought, yeah, I think I've counted the cost and I'm prepared to pay the price necessary to do that, the next thing is make the decision that you're going to do it. Decide on the inside, I'm going to do this. I will. The I will factor. You see, the moment of clarity that this man had, I'm sitting here feeding pigs and my father's servants are like this. He understood this, the pain of staying the same was greater than the pain of change. The pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. That's the moment of clarity. I can stay the way I am right now. I can keep living my life the way I am right now with the discomfort and the pain and so on that's that's involved in that. People change when they realise that the pain of staying the same is going to be greater than the pain of changing. Let me give you an example. And you probably all know people like this. My father was a smoker as he grew up. He smoked and drank and stuff. I remember when I was about, I was off at YWAM and I got a phone call saying, your father's had a heart attack. And they've taken him up to Brisbane Hospital. And I went down to, uh, rush down to the hospital where he was <coughs> and uh, he um, was going in and, and getting surgery. And he was freaking out, as you, as you would. Anyone that's had heart problems, it's scary. And my dad hates doctors at the best of times. But you know what, you know what happened to my father? Here's what happened, cut a long story short. He could not quit smoking. He had a heart attack, sat with a doctor for half an hour. The doctor told him all about what was going on. You know, he never touched another cigarette in his life. Why? Because the pain of staying the same suddenly became greater than the pain of changing. It's going to be hard for me to quit. My body may go through withdrawals. I may this, I may that. But the pain of going through that is going to be less than the pain of staying the same if I keep going the way I'm going. I could end up dead. We all know people like that. People that have gone through things or live certain lifestyles and all of a sudden they have this epiphany. The pain of staying the same is going to be greater than the pain of change. Most people don't want to change because it's painful. And yes, change is a painful process for most of us. Changing our lifestyle, making adjustments to who we are, uh, it's painful. It's not easy. Change isn't easy, otherwise we'd just be doing it all the time. But we are creatures of habit and we get into habit patterns, don't we? And, And the habit patterns become natural and normal to us. And when it comes time to change, change is a painful process. Here's the thing. Stay the same way you are and and carry the pain. So there's a reason why you want to make the changes you want to make. Because there's something uncomfortable something uncomfortable about perhaps being where you are right now. So I want to stay here. I want to get over here. So in order to get over here, guess what? It's going to be a painful process to get to here. But you've got to ask yourself the question, is it going to be more painful to stay here than it is to go over here? If you think that it's going to be more painful over here and less pain here, well, there's not much motivation to change. But when we realise that the pain of staying the same is going to be greater than the pain of changing, 
we have that moment of clarity and we go, no, no, no. It's worth the effort. It's worth the price. It's worth the energy. It's worth the adjustments. And we make adjustments. Which pain has the best outcome for you? They're both going to be painful. Stay the same way, change. There's going to be pain involved in both. But which one has the least amount of pain? And usually it's the change process. Otherwise you wouldn't be sitting here thinking that you want to change a certain part of your life. But we are. The third thing. Verse 18 and 19. He says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Firstly, count the cost. Secondly, decide to do it, not try it. Thirdly, be realistic. Be realistic. This man looked at his situation and he said, here's the deal. I'm going to go home, but I'm not going to go home and think that I can just walk straight back into being the son of the owner and walk back into my glory and back into my position. Now, praise God for the grace of the Father. He did that, but this man's attitude was realistic. I'm not expecting Dad to come home and to be given platform again. I'm going to be realistic about this. I just want to come home and perhaps you'll hire me as a servant. And I think sometimes our goals are a little bit unrealistic. Sometimes we do set ourselves goals that are just a little bit too far out of reach and a little bit higher. Here's what I would say to you. Whatever the goal is that you're thinking about, um, I encourage people to set the bar and then at the beginning of it, halve it. Halve it. So if you're thinking, I want to start running a kilometre every three times a week, why don't you set yourself a goal of running 500 metres three times a week? Halve it. I want to go to the gym five days a week. Why don't you go to the gym two days a week? Set yourself a goal a little bit lower than that. I want to uh, have a date night with my husband, wife's partner every week. Well, why don't you, say, start out with once a month? I want to uh, uh, spend more time with my kids every afternoon. I'm going to come home and I'm going to take them. Well, why don't you make it two afternoons a week instead of five? Sometimes we set the bar that high that it actually becomes unrealistic and we fail and we don't reach the goal and we give up. And sometimes that's because we set the bar too high and we're not being realistic enough. Remember this, the speed you're travelling at towards your goal is not important. It's the direction that you're travelling. It doesn't matter how quick you get there. What matters is that you're taking steps in the right direction. You know, someone said to me recently about our building project here at the church. Somebody wrote me an email. In the email they said to me, "Uh, you're going nowhere, you're doing nothing. And I just wrote them back and I said, no, no, that's actually not true. I said, we're not going nowhere. We're actually heading in the right direction. We're not heading there at the speed that I'd like to. I'd love to be going faster, but we're not moving that fast. But at the end of the day, speed's not the issue. It's the direction of the journey that matters. Okay? It's the direction of the journey that matters. <laughs> yeah, but if, I, if we're only having you know, one date night a month, that's not as good as four date nights a month. Yeah, but it's better than the no date nights a month that you're doing now, which is why you want to change it. But if I'm not going to the gym five days a week, two days a week is not as good as five days a week. Yeah, but two days a week is better than the no days a week that you're doing now. And that's why you want to change it. And so make sure that our goals are realistic. Make sure that the changes that we want to make, we've counted the costs, we've made the firm decision, we're going to do this, nothing's going to change. And thirdly, make sure that we've got realistic goals. Make sure that the targets that we're heading for are realistic. Let me throw another thing at you too. By the way, 
you know, some people might, you might be sitting here now with three or four things on your mind that you're thinking you'd like to do. Why don't you just start with one in January and, and you know, set yourself a goal that in April I'll tackle this second one. Just one at a time. Sometimes people have got so many things going on the go at once that they want to change and so many adjustments they want to make in their life at once and they end up making none. Why? Again, we get overwhelmed with the amount of change that's involved in becoming that person or changing that lifestyle or, or heading in that direction or whatever. Just maybe if you want to do those four this year, great. Maybe start one in January. Maybe have a goal in your calendar. I'll start the second one in April. By that stage, I've got some momentum with the first goal. I'm encouraged because the first one's actually working. It's happening. So now come April, I'm ready to tackle the next one. The first one's become part of my lifestyle. Do another one in August, whatever. Don't feel like we're going to cram them all in really quickly. The fourth thing, verse 20, it says this. It says, and he arose and came to his father. So we count the cost. Once we've counted the cost and we're prepared to pay it, we make the decision, I will do this. I'm not trying it. I'm going to do this. Then thirdly, we have a look and we make sure that the goal is realistic. If it's not, we dumb it down a little bit. We bring it back. We make sure that the goal is a realistic goal, something we can tackle, something we can head to. And the fourth one is we actually take action. We actually do something. We take a step in the right direction. (laughs) Three friends. Let me ask you a question. Three friends were sitting down there having coffee together. One of those friends decided to get up and leave. How many were left? No. See, you're basing that on the presupposition that when every time somebody makes a decision, they do it. Every time they make a decision, they do it. Three people sat down to have coffee. One decided to get up and go. I don't know if he got up and went. It was just a decision he made. I don't know if he did it. And how many of us make decisions, but we don't do it? I decide I'm going to... What do you think New Year's is all about? People making decisions and a month down the track realising I didn't do it. Now, the presupposition there is that if we've made a decision to do something, we do it, but we're all smart enough to know in this room that's not true. How many decisions have you made this year, but you haven't done anything about it? How many decisions have I made this year, but I haven't done anything about any of those decisions? This young man sat there, he made the decision, had that epiphany, that moment of clarity, but then the Bible says that when he made that decision, he dropped that pig food, stood to his feet, and started walking. He started walking. He picked a direction towards where he wanted to go and he started taking some steps. You know, I've got written down here, some people spend copious amounts of time planning what they want to do, how it can be done, what obstacles they might encounter, how much money it'll cost, what time's needed and what lifestyle adjustments need to be made, but then don't do anything anyway. We can count the cost, we can make that decision that I will. We can... Make sure the goal is realistic, but then when it comes time to put legs to it, to action it, to do something, how many people stop there? Have you ever been in business meetings or planning meetings where we plan and we scheme and so on, and we pat each other on the back and we high-five each other because it was a wonderful decision and we've gone through all the obstacles, we've worked a lot, but then nothing happens. Nothing happens. We shouldn't be patting ourselves on the back because we planned well. We should be patting ourselves on the back when we take that first step. Well done. Well done. You're doing something. You're actioning something. You're taking a step towards where you need to go. Let me ask you a question. What do you need to do right now? Statistically, the longer the gap between the minute you make the decision and the minute you take the first step means that there's more of a chance that you won't do it. The longer the gap between when you make that decision and when you take the first step, the longer that gap, statistically, the more chance you won't do anything with it. So tomorrow is going to be the very 1st of January. What are you going to do about the decision that you have made, the area of your life that you want to change? What are you going to do? Here's some practical things. 
Maybe you'll buy some shoes to walk in. Maybe you'll buy a cookbook to start eating healthy. Maybe you'll ring up that friend or that relative that you've forever been saying, I just need to maintain a relationship with that person, but, you know, never get around to doing it. Maybe you uh, get a gym membership. Maybe you get out your diary and you lock in your first date night or time with your kids or maybe you lock in your first holiday or maybe you lock in that first fun thing that you're going to start doing. I'm going to make sure that I have a weekend off this year or whatever it is that you do. What's the one practical thing that you can do to help you with that decision? Because if you don't take the first step, the longer it takes for you to take the first step, the longer the gap between the decision and the action, the greater percentage chance you'll do nothing about it. And you'll get to the end of 2018 and I'll stand here and I'll go, what's your one decision? You'll think of the same thing. We don't want to be those people thinking of the same thing. There's an old Chinese proverb that says this, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a step. I like that. A journey of a thousand miles, it begins with a step. So, we're going to count the cost. We're going to after counting the cost, decide that this is what we're going to do. Not a trial. It's not something we're, we're going to have a crack at. We've decided with our will and the authority we have over our own life that we are going to do this thing. We count the cost. We decide that we're going to do it. We make sure that it's realistic. We sit down and we go through the process of making sure that those goals are realistic. Then we take action. We do something. We practically do the first step. Get a, you know, once you've, anyone ever driven a car and, you know, when the car's parked on a, on, on a slight hill or something, you put a brick. Anyone ever done that? I mean, I've got, had cars my whole life where handbrakes don't work and this don't work and that don't work. And so you, you put a brick under the front wheel. And then you get in the car, though, and if you, 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 you put the car in drive, if it's an automatic, if you put it in drive, it's not enough to get over the tyre. But if you take that same brick out and you put it 20 metres up the road... And then you put the car in drive. The momentum of the car slowly picks up. And when it hits the brick, what happens? It goes over the brick. It's amazing what momentum can do for you. It's amazing what momentum can do in a person's life. Momentum starts with the first step. That's why it's so important that we don't just sit here and plan and think about, but we do something that will take you in the direction of whatever transformation or change you want to see happen in your life, you need to take the step. So we count the cost. We we do it. We finish with doing it. But we count we count the cost first. Then we make the decision that we will. We're not trying. And then we we clarify it. We we make sure it's realistic. And then once we make sure it's realistic, we do something about it, and we start walking. And finally, the last one, and this one's to me the most important, is take your decisions to the Father. At the end of the story, this young man's decision took him to his father. That was his whole thing was, I'm going to go back. And we know the story of the prodigal son is that he turned away from God and he went away. But in the process of that, he made decisions. But the final end point of the biggest decision that he made was to come back to the father. And I think that we need to take our decisions and take these things that you're thinking about, the changes that you want. Don't, don't feel like as believers that we, we've got to make these decisions and these changes in the strength of our own power. We have God on our side. I've got, I've got this theory that a, a better me, the more better I am as a person, the more better I am as a, as a human being, the best me gives God the best me to work with. The best me 
in the hands of God is a powerful thing. And so when we make decisions to become the best version of us that we can, when we make decisions to help us become better people, when we make decisions to prolong the, the opportunity we have down here on earth for God to use us, I believe that God gets excited about that. And I believe the power of God gets behind those decisions. And we're not just trying to... It's not like some self-help seminar, some Tony Robbins seminar, where the power is just within you and you can make your own decisions and choices. You know, I do believe there's an element of that. I mean, I think as human beings, we, don't, we haven't tapped into the creative power of who we are as a race, you know? I mean, if I paraded every animal in the world past you right now, could you name it? Adam did. Maybe I don't use as much of my brain as Adam did, I don't know. But you ever thought about that? creative power of the human being you know it wasn't witchcraft or nothing this is adam there filled with the spirit of god in direct communication with god able to name all the animals and all this sort of stuff it's amazing so i do believe there's a lot of power latent power within us as human beings god-given power decision-making processes and power to do things but i also believe that what we do is not in our own strength but we do it in the power of god and god is with us we are fallen mankind so somewhere we've lost all that but God is with us and God places his power inside of us and he empowers us to make the decisions that we need to make. So the best version of me in the hands of an all-powerful God can do great things for the kingdom. I believe that. Do you believe that? Okay. Father, I want to thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for, uh, again, Lord, it, it's a cultural thing, this whole New Year's thing. It's just a cultural uh, man-made concept. But the concept itself is actually very powerful. Lord, that we would stop and we would look back at the last 12 months of our life and that we would make some decisions for the next 12 months. Changes that we want to make, Father. The people that we want to become. The things that maybe we look back on and we go, I don't like that. So I want to drop that. And I want to replace it with this. And Father, thank you for, uh, Lord, the power that you give to us to do that that you do empower us, Father, that you, you walk alongside of us, Lord. And God, I pray for each of us here, Father, that we would, uh, God, not just get up from here and go home and you know, decide whether it was worth coming or not. God, I pray that when we get up and we go from here, Lord, and we think about the next 12 months, I pray, God, that the decisions that we make, I, gotta, I do, I pray we would count the cost. I pray we would think about the decisions that we're going to make. Lord, I pray that we would decide to do them, God, not try them. We would put the power of our will behind that. God, I pray that we would make sure they're realistic and, and that we've got the best chance of succeeding. I pray, Father, we take the first step. Give us wisdom. What is the first step that we can take? How can we begin to build momentum to get some power behind this decision that we're making? And Lord, I pray too, Father, that we would do this whole process with our eyes upon you. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. God, I pray as each of us leave here today, that, uh, God, in the next seven days, give each of us an opportunity to share you with somebody in our community around us who doesn't know who you are. Father, in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 Well, God bless. Uh, I'll see you next year, I guess. <laughs> My uncle used to say that to me when I was a kid, and I used to get really disturbed, thinking, oh, what, where are you going? It's like, no, nah, it's tomorrow, mate. Oh, okay, Uncle man.